that today we're going to talk about the gift of joy. And, and, and I want to ask you as we begin our time together is whether you have experienced that joy. Have you received this gift of joy into your life? And, and, and are you experiencing, are you living in it? Um, are you a joyful person? I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to be yelling and jumping all the time, but is there joy in your life? And how do others consider you? Do others think of you as a joyful person? Do others think of you as a grumpy person? Uh, you know, do other things, do, do others hear from you more whining and complaining or, or they, do they hear from you an attitude of joy about life and about the things that surround us? Well, let's, let's go, uh, as you think about that, and about how you need that joy in your life or what it is that you need today. There'll be an opportunity at the end of the message for you to come to the front and to pray or pray with someone. So be preparing your heart to see how are you going to respond to God's message. And look with me at um, our text, which is found in Luke chapter two, verse eight through 20. We've been singing about joy um, Ronald already read part of this passage, but let me read it with you again. Luke 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today... In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The birth of Jesus was extraordinary, but not in the kind of fancy, extravagant, red carpet extraordinary way. It was extraordinary in, in a strange way. It, it, things happened that no one would have expected to happen, that no one would have written the script that way. Mary and Joseph uh, were from Nazareth. We already heard last week the kind of the awkwardness about the fact that Mary was expecting a baby before the wedding feast and she had to, and Joseph found out and all of that. That was already uh, a little challenging. And, and now there's this census that makes them go to Joseph's uh, hometown or the town of his ancestry, which is Bethlehem, this little town. And they, they make this, this trip there and uh, there were no Airbnbs left. There were no hotels left. Joseph failed to get on his app and make reservations. So when they get to Bethlehem, there's no lodging. And he, uh, he has a very, very, very pregnant wife and no place to stay. And so uh, they, they end up staying in a stable. 
where, where the animals are kept. That, that would be for us the, the, the garage where we keep our cars. Uh, garage is a place of shelter, but it's not meant for people to, to, to be there. And, and Mary and Joseph are there and Jesus is born and there's no crib, there's no bed, there's, there's not all these baby shower gifts that people gave them. They're just in this stable where there's animals and all they can find to place Jesus is in a manger that's a trough where, where, the, where the animals eat, where they put the hay for, for the animals to eat. That's where Jesus is placed. And we're familiar with that story. It doesn't really sound strange to us, but it's really strange. We, we read it, we, we sing about it, we we see it uh, in the movies, we see it in the Christmas cards, but we must never lose sight of the fact that no one would have expected it to happen this way. If you and I had been tasked with planning the birth of the Savior, if you and I had been uh, tasked with, with planning the salvation of the world, we probably wouldn't have done it that way. And what is more extraordinary is who it is that receives the news of the Savior's birth. It's not Herod's palace, the Tetrarch. It is not Caesar's court in Rome. It is not the Jerusalem temple where the high priest is. That's not who gets the news. It's not the aristocrats. It's not the Sanhedrin. It's not the elite. It's shepherds out in the field. That's interesting. The announcements are interesting. Somehow my wife talked me... Um, recently into watching Harry and Meghan. And, you know, we've watched The Crown, and so now we're watching this, and I, and I enjoy it. I really do. Um, and, and, and one of the things that just seemed really interesting to me is this town crier. I don't know if, you, if you've seen this town crier that makes announcements for the royal family. Let me, let me play a little video for you, so, so if, you don't, if you're not familiar with it, you can uh, see it. kind of a strange way to announce the birth uh, of someone, but, uh, you know, this is the way this guy uh, does it, and, and it just seems really strange for us Americans, and, the, the, and the, the funniest thing about it is that he's not even appointed by by the royal family to do that. He's just a self-proclaimed town crier, and every time something happens with the royal family, he announces it. He was there at Windsor uh, Castle to, to announce the birth of the prince, but the announcement of the birth of Jesus was not given by a town crier, it was given by an angel. And it wasn't in a castle, it wasn't in a palace, it was out in the fields, away from, from town. And it wasn't just the bare facts of who his parents were and what his name is, but, but there was something more in that message that would change the lives of the shepherds and that continues to change the lives of people today. Let's talk about that message. The first thing that I want to say to you about this message that the angel gives the shepherds is that joy dispels every fear. The first thing that the angel tells the shepherd is, do not be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy. The announcement 
of the angel to the shepherds is meant to dispel fear, to, to do away with it. They were terrified. Uh, and I think the inverse is true, that, that, that fear dampers joy, doesn't it? When our hearts are filled with fear, when all we're thinking about is what might go wrong, it's hard to have joy. It's just like they, they can't be together. The fear and joy really can't coexist in our heart very well. Joy comes from the confidence that, that things are going to be all right. And what could the shepherds be afraid of? I, I think of the shepherds as rugged individuals. They, their job is to be there at night and to watch out for beasts that might uh, attack the flock. I mean, these guys are, are the kind of guys that, that thrive on courage and and the fact that they might hear a wolf or a lion and, and they will come to intervene on behalf of the flock. So for them to be afraid, is, is, why would they be afraid? Well, I, I think they were just afraid because they were caught by surprise. Here's the middle of the night. They're looking out for, for bees. They're looking out making sure that their flocks are okay. They're in the dark out there. They're listening to the sounds and suddenly there's this angel that appears in the heaven and this bright light that pierces the darkness. I think any of us would have been afraid at that moment. What does this mean? That's the immediate and the obvious, but, but beyond that, there, there's another fear that I think is present, the fear of judgment. And that was true not just for the shepherds, but, but for all the Jewish people. You see, for centuries, the people of God had lived with, with the fear that God was angry at them. They had been exiled because of their sin. They, they, they had been taken. They, they had lost their homeland and, and, and their temple and, and all of the things that they held dear that they thought they would never lose. And, and they lived in a, in a land far away. And even though they had now, some of them had returned, there was this sense that God was still angry at them. And the religious people, the Pharisees of the day, what they had done is they, they had wanted to make sure that they would never make God angry again, that they would never be punished again, that they would never be brought to judgment again. And so, and so they came up with rules and traditions to, to make sure that they could never come close to even breaking one commandment. And they worked hard at that. See, that's the kind of religion that is fueled by fear. There are people today who, who, who live their religion by fear. They, they do the things that they do because they're afraid that God may be angry at them. They're afraid that God may not approve of them. And if it was true for the Pharisees and the priests in the temple who, who were full-time into keeping the law and, and making sure that God was not angry, it was even more true for shepherds who, who couldn't go to the temple all the time, who, who didn't have time for all the purification rituals. They, they had a job that was messy. They had a job that made them smell like sheep. And, 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 and they, couldn't, they didn't have the time to keep up with all of those rules and regulations. Some of the people knew that there was a promise. They looked back to the days when they had full blessing of God the golden era, when Israel was on top of the world, when David was king, and, and when they were at their lowest in exile and oppression and desolation, the prophets came and they brought a promise. They said, one day, one day, there will be an anointed one. This anointed one will, will retake the reign of David. 
and he will make his people be again in full communion with their God. He will bring back those days of the Davidic reign. There will be an anointed one. And people knew that and people waited for that and people hoped for that, but but generations passed and the centuries passed and, and perhaps some of them thought, well, maybe God is never going to be pleased with us again. Maybe this judgment is going to last indefinitely. And so here you find the shepherds that perhaps have this fear. And I wonder what are your fears? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of failure? Are you afraid of rejection? Are you afraid that God will not be pleased with you? Are you afraid of the future? Our fears may be different from those of the shepherds, but there are, they are fears nonetheless. And so the word of God for us today is the same as it was for the shepherds. Verse 10 do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The angel is telling these, these shepherds who are terrified, he's saying, today is the day. Today, God's promises are fulfilled. These promises that you've been waiting for centuries, today, they become real. Today they are fulfilled. A Savior is born. And then I love this. A Savior is born to you. It's not a theological concept. It's not something that you hear about happening to somebody else that you read. A Savior is born to you. That means God has not forgotten you. God is not angry at you. God has come to rescue you. God has come to relieve you of your pain and your fears and your struggles. The announcement to the angels is trade your fears for joy. Instead of being terrified, be filled with great joy, exceeding joy, indescribable joy, joy that bursts forth because all is well. That's different from happiness. Happiness can be momentary. Happiness can depend on, on what's going on at the moment and, and something makes you happy and then something else goes bad and then you're not happy anymore. You're, you're sad. Happiness may come and go. But joy lasts. Joy stays around because it comes from knowing that God has come to rescue us and all will be well. That joy stays because we have the assurance that God's word is sure. And as it begins to be fulfilled, it continues to be fulfilled. Joy dispels every fear. Do you know that kind of joy? The second thing that we see in this story is that God desires all people to know joy. Uh, several years ago, um, Dillard's had this thing called International Santa Clauses. And every year they would um, release a, a new Santa Claus or two or three from different countries. And somehow my wife decided that we were going to collect them. And so um, every year, the day after Christmas, uh, because my, one of my wife's model is never pay full price or anything. So the day after Christmas, when the store would open, 
we would go to the store and we would look at the Santa Claus that had been released that year, but it was half price now. And we'd kind of look through all of them that were available, making sure they didn't have any blemish and we would buy them and take them home. And we did this every year for several years until we collected, I don't know, 40 or 50 of them. I think there was a Santa Claus from every country that we could know of. And it was really, I came to really appreciate it because I was kind of interested in the fact that these Santa Clauses uh, were portrayed in different ways in different countries. But another thing that we do is that we also have nativity scenes from different cultures. So one of the nativity scenes that we have in our house is uh, from a Native American uh, setting. And so that's what it would look like if Jesus had been born in, out in the fields with, with a Native American tribe. And then we have a nativity scene that, uh, that is a precious moments nativity scene. That's how it would look if Jesus was born in a Hallmark store, you know. Um, you you got to include all situations. And then we have this... Um, uh, nativity scene that's kind of the traditional European looking. That's what it would look like if Jesus had been born in medieval Europe. Uh, and we have several of these, but the, the latest one that we bought, I, I really like it. Uh, we were in Bogota, Colombia uh, a few years ago, and we were looking at the artisan uh, shops, and we found this nativity scene that was made by indigenous people with really thin parts of, of straw and colorful. And, and uh, my wife fell in love with it. And she began to do her, her usual negotiation with the people. And, and, uh, and, and, and we walked away. And I was happy because we weren't going to spend any money. But then the people called us back and uh, agreed to the price. And so we brought it home. And, and that's our Colombian nativity scene. And, and we really like it. All of these figurines and nativity scenes are, are neat because they remind us that Christmas may look different for people around the world but Christmas is for the whole world. See, that's what the angels say to the shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. The good news of Christ's birth were not just for the elite. They were not for just for the religious people in Jerusalem. They were not for, for just a select group that kept all the rules. They were not for the people who, who always behaved and did the right things. The good news was for all people. The fact that, that the shepherds received the good news first is significant. Shepherds were not the upper echelon of society. No one would have expected them to be the first to get the news. And they didn't find out by accident. It wasn't WikiLeaks. It, it wasn't a hack. It was an intentional act of God. He sent his angel to the shepherds in the field. Even in our era of mass communication and technology, we get push notices on our phones and, and, and we get social media and we find out about a lot of things that happen, uh, whether it's passing a law or a war or, or other things. But by the time we get it, somebody else has already received it. Somebody else has already had an opportunity to give it a little spin. So, so somebody has already received it before we received it. But in this case, the shepherds, are the first to get the news. And that's really remarkable. I'm not sure how that would compare today because we don't have shepherds in the fields here in the Rio Grande Valley. But, but it, it, to me, it would be sort of the equivalent of, of, of an angel appearing to migrant farm workers or, or to oil field workers in West Texas. Uh, not, not that those people are any less than anyone else, but they're not the kind of people that you would expect to have the greatest news that humanity has ever heard first. 
that the shepherds did. And that means something. That the joy of Christmas is not just for some people. The joy of Christmas is for everyone. It's for you. And it's for me. The good news that causes great joy is for us. And the scriptures are very intentional about relaying that, in, that inclusivity. I love what Jeff Warren tweeted last week. He's a pastor in Dallas. And he said this, God revealed his coming to a vulnerable teenage girl. He was first acknowledged by an unborn child, John. Elizabeth, an older woman, was the first to proclaim his presence. Then to the lowly shepherds, and finally to the pagan intellectual elite, the Magi. He came for everyone. God's love is all-inclusive. God's joy is for everyone. No one has to be left out. In God's economy, there is no one in the margins. Everyone is a part of his plan. Joy is not just for some people, not just for the people who are obnoxious and have certain kinds of temperaments that you can't stand. Joy, joy is for you too. It's not just for the haves or the have-nots. It's not just for the lucky or for the down and out. Joy is for everyone. And it doesn't mean that you always have to have this fake smile on you. That's not, I, I'm not talking about fake joy. I'm talking about a true joy that's, that's in the heart, that descends, that, that God loves you, that God came to rescue you, that, that, that God is with you, that God will make sure that you are going to be well, that you can say, it is well with my soul. And then finally, as we look at this story, we see that joy demands full participation. Last week, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to take our grandson Daniel to uh, the South Pole at the Mechanic Convention Center. We wanted him to see the lights and uh, to enjoy the music and, and, and all the Christmas spirit there. Uh, and, and he enjoyed it, but he was really mesmerized by the choo-choo train, wanted to ride that. We did that. Then we were in line to get food, and there was a little child roller coaster, and he saw that. And he doesn't talk yet, but he communicates very clearly. And he let me know he wanted to be there. So, so I said, you know, let's just watch, and maybe he'll enjoy watching. And he was, like, not happy watching. He wanted to get in the ride. And so uh, we finally got in line, and and I was like, uh, you know, I'm not sure if, if he's going to want to write this thing. And he was just excited as we were waiting. There's a height requirement. And so he had to stand there to make sure that he was tall enough. And I think his hair was just puffy enough that day that he barely made the height requirement. And he was just kind of really sure himself. I was holding his hand. We, we got into the roller coaster and we buckled up. And he was just beaming uh, with, with joy. And, and, and he was just talking about it and, and we took off and, and, and he was happy when we came to places where he went fast, he just kind of leaned a little, little closer to me and then he was back to himself. And, and when we got out the ride, he goes, woohoo. And, uh, and he wanted to go again. Well, that night when his parents picked him up, he just kept talking to them about the wacky mouse and he just kept talking to them until he fell asleep. You see, Daniel refused to be a casual observer. He refused to watch from a distance. He wanted to experience the fullness of this. And so 
He went in all the way. The good news of Christ is for everyone. God wants everyone to know joy, but not everyone knows joy. Because joy requires full participation. Joy cannot be experienced by casual observation, by arm's length, by, by watching others. The shepherds understood this. After this incredible announcement by the angel and this angelic choir that filled the heavens, the first thing, when they left, the angels did not stay around to sort of talk about what just happened to them. They didn't have a post-game show to analyze all of the things that happened. You know what they did? They went to Bethlehem. That's how you know they had joy because their joy caused them to go and check it out, to see the things that the Lord has said to them. And when they arrived and, and there was Mary and Joseph and the baby and, and whoever else was there, they told them all the things that they had experienced. I'm sure it was an encouragement. Because here's Mary and Joseph. You remember, they had angels appear to them about what was going to happen. And I wonder if, if, if being in a stable and having to put the baby in a manger, I wonder if it caused them to question, man, did, did we really hear those angels right? Is, is, is this really the way that the Savior of the world, I mean, is, this, is God here? And then the, the shepherds show up and say, guess what we just heard? Guess who appeared to us? Guess what they said to us? And it must have encouraged their hearts. It says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It seems like Mary's was a quiet joy. See, you can have joy and, and it doesn't have to be loud. So for some people it is. For some people it's just a quiet joy. It's something that they treasure in their heart. And I'm sure that that's what helped Mary make it through the life and ministry of Jesus and even through his death, there was this joy in her heart knowing that God was at work and that he's the one who fulfills his plan. The shepherds returned to the fields after visiting the manger, but they were not the same. Something had changed. They, they, they were once terrified. They were once filled with fear, but now they are full of joy. They worship, they sing. Their experience was spiritual and emotional and physical. They heard, they saw, they believed, they ran, they shared. Their hearts were filled with joy. The good news of great joy is not for casual observers. The good news of Christ's birth is not for those who, who watch from a distance. Joy is a gift. Joy cannot be fabricated. You cannot buy joy. You cannot expect other people to make you happy. God has this gift of joy that you can receive. It is a gift. It is received with a heart that is open. Not only to receive the joy, but, but to be a channel of joy. You can know this joy when you respond in faith to that message. When you come to Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the King, he's not in a manger anymore. He's on his throne as Lord. And when you come to him, you can bring your fears. You can bring your struggles. 
You can bring your sin. You can bring your shame. You can bring your guilt. You come to him and he'll trade all of that for joy. For a joy that is the satisfaction that you are loved. That Christ has done everything necessary to make you who God designed you to be in the beginning. To lift you up and help you live at a level that is beyond imagination and to give you eternal life. Once you receive this joy, then you can participate fully in the life he offers you. Joy is not something you just receive, but it is a constant choice. You can choose to be bitter. You can choose to be angry. You can choose to be negative. You can choose to, to, to look at the world from, from the angle of your circumstances, or you can choose the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord can be your strength. You can be a witness of God's joy to others. Will you let God fill you with joy today? Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So the invitation to you today is to receive the joy that the good news of Christ brings and to express it in your worship, in your witness, in your service, in your relationships. Whether for the first time in your life, you need to come to Christ for your salvation or whether you have been walking with Christ for a long time, but today you need to receive joy so that you can live in that joy. We sing a song at Christmas called, Oh, come all you faithful. This is, Oh, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Oh, come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. That's what the shepherds did. And that's what you and I can do today. Would you bow your head with me? As you think about joy, as you think about Christ, as you think about this message that the angel gave the shepherds, I want to invite you to respond. What is it that you need God to do in your life? I'm going to invite you to, to pray. I'm going to ask Pastor Paulo and Pastor David to be up here. If you, if you need to come and pray, maybe, maybe there's a need you have in your life. Maybe you need to pray for someone else. Maybe you know people who are not living in joy. They're living in darkness and sadness, and you need to pray for them. You can come and kneel down at the front here. You can pray with one of the pastors. You can pray where you are. You can reach someone next to you and say, let's pray together. Let's ask God. Let's open our hearts to him so that we can experience his joy today. This is a time for responding, a time for prayer. You move as you feel led.